while food insecurity is something that we have addressed the other big challenge is just lack of awareness about food mm. right we are not uh, again we are not taught as uh, in our schools you know what is balanced diet mm. we still follow that whole pyramid and everything right. but and everything is so theoretical so people tell you a protein cow but what does protein look like in my context i am a vegetarian who's from the south of india mm. so what does protein look like in my context uh, or you know i'm like so so that is something that is not uh, being covered so i think that is one of the biggest challenges right welcome to another episode of the brand called you a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons knowledge experience and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world if you are new to our channel please consider subscribing to it and hit the bell icon so that you never miss an update our episodes go live at 1 pm and 7 pm every day i am your host ashutosh garg and today i'm privileged and delighted to have a very very accomplished individual from bangalore currently shruti ayer shruti welcome to the show thank you ashutosh It's super uh, excited to do this. Thank you. Shruti is the CEO of the Foundation for Mother and Child Health in India. So Shruti, let's start talking about uh, the Foundation for Mother and Child Health. Tell me about the scope of work you do uh, at the foundation and give me some examples. Right. So at FMCH, a uh, foundation for mother and child health, we work on maternal health and malnutrition. Mm-hmm. Uh, malnutrition is one of the gravest problem that India faces today. Fifty percent of Indian women are anemic. Forty percent of Indian kids are born undernourished, mm-hmm. uh, which means that these kids will never reach their full potential. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, about fifty percent of this uh, undernutrition is preventable. it is yes there are various reasons for undernutrition including a, a lack of uh, uh, resources uh, not having uh, uh, food uh, food security etc but one of the biggest causes is just lack of information about what is it that one should be eating about nutrition and these are things that we are not really taught in school mm-hmm. um and there's and as you know uh, india is a developing nation as the access to non nutritive food increases advertisements are talking about you know feed your child this feed your mm. child that uh, we find that while people are fuller in their stomach they are still extremely nutrient deficient wow um, and that is essentially what we look at solving right we uh, we our theory of change says if uh, families are given access to contextual timely and actionable information about nutrition they will make the right nutritional choices for themselves their children uh, and the community around uh, and that's what we aim to do we want to reduce malnutrition we want to empower families including mothers and fathers about uh, the right nutritional choices that they should be making to lead healthier fuller lives fantastic so you know when you talk about uh, on your website i was looking balanced nutrition preventive healthcare in child development Yeah. Tell me about each of these and what you are doing here. Right. So, uh, how we run our uh, programs is in the first thousand days of a child's life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thousand days of the child's life. So, there are only two critical periods in human life when there is growth that happens. One is during the first thousand days. That's from the time the uh, uh, the individual is pregnant to the time the child is about two. uh that's a maximum brain growth happens physical development happens etc and the second is during adolescence mm. 
Okay. So we focus on the first thousand days, um, and we look at making sure that the family is um, informed enough to take care of uh, the mother as well as the child in that period. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's essentially what we look at uh, doing. So we are preventing children from going into malnutrition. We are preventing maternal mortality. We are uh, we are looking at child development from from the first thousand days mm-hmm. lens. Mm. uh and most of this is done through the lens of nutrition it's mm. to saying for example in the first uh, trimester when the uh, individual is pregnant do you have access to iron and folic acid tablets do you have access to your ant checkups do you know what balanced diet looks like are you if you're having morning sickness you know a lot of women are not able to eat but what is it that you can eat at that point mm. uh, how do you you know stay calm how do you stay balanced what does family support look like at that point mm. uh and all of this then ties down to nutrition which says that that is the key uh to a balanced and healthy life mm. once the child is born is the child being breastfed okay. uh, for the first 6 months the child needs to be exclusively breastfed mm. and after 6 months the child needs to start having complementary food mm. so is that being started on time what does that look like so all of this together tie up to make our 1000 days intervention and you know i remember when you know we were expecting our first child my mother uh, used to have her grandmother's remedies uh, which yeah. go for nutrition to my wife what is the role uh, the the woman's in-laws or mother play in the nutrition yeah it's huge i mean i'm so glad you asked this question ashutosh so uh, you know we normally we, when we say nutrition and uh, family everyone puts that whole burden on the mother but actually it's a whole ecosystem that needs to be empowered mm. fathers play such a critical role uh, you know father in laws uh, power dynamics in families are so critical to bring about holistic change mm. uh, so it essentially it's a whole ecosystem that we need to empower mm. what also becomes an added layer of complexity is migration because in the communities that we work we work in urban slums uh, of uh, mumbai through direct intervention mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we have seen that a lot of these uh, a lot of our uh, uh, the families that we work with are migrants which means that they don't have a mother or mother in law to give them these right. you know little right. home tips because they're all at home right mm-hmm. and uh, so then we sort of become the first point of contact to tell them also what happens in migrant uh, communities especially in, in mumbai is it is so diverse so you will find one lane of you know uh, of of families from the south of india where you need to talk about say have your idli dosa etc mm-hmm. and then you have somebody from up and then you have somebody from bihar where the food choices are completely different right. it's so personal mm-hmm. and uh, so that adds, adds a layer of complexity but i think that, but that that's when change happens right when it is really uh when it when it's something that you can adapt to you realize these small changes that you can make in your uh life which is easy it's low cost and it is so uh, nutritious for the child that's when uh you know behavior change really happens amazing and now let's move on and after the nutrition you talk of preventive health care right now i'm assuming that one is the preventive health care while uh The, the 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 child is in in the in the womb and then yeah. for two years after that right so what that is that is sorry sorry uh, you said what do you look for uh, in in healthcare needs right so in preventive health uh, one of the things that uh, and we we are soon realizing since there are multiple paths 
to this, right? Uh, preventive health can go back to as much as an adolescent girl. Mm-hmm. uh when she starts getting her period mm-hmm. at that point that she have the right nutrition so that her body is developed enough uh, uh, the, uh then when she is ready to become a mother when she is going to get pregnant mm-hmm. that she have the right information is she having the right nutrition mm-hmm. uh and all of that falls into the gamut of preventive healthcare where we also and another added dimension what we really look at is uh making sure we use a lot of data to do preventive healthcare so we do anthropometry every month that measuring the height and weight of the child every month mm-hmm. uh, to make sure that the child does not go into a state of malnutrition uh, who has all of these charts defined which says uh, there's severe malnutrition and moderate malnutrition mm-hmm. that every month when we uh, do the anthropometry of the child we tell the mother see you know aapka bachcha thoda kam ho gaya hai your child has come down in yeah. uh, weight so you need to bring that child up Mm-hmm. then the next month the mother is you know extra careful making sure the child is well fed etc uh so that is our gamut preventive right so saying mm-hmm. let's not let's not wait for a chance for the child to go into a state of malnutrition and then you work on that child right. but can you preempt some of these things very interesting uh and then the third one which is uh, child development so talk to me about child development also i think uh, again like child development is just central to all of this like women empowerment and child development is just the heart of everything that we uh, do hmm. uh, one of the things that we have seen uh, is you know all parents want their children to be healthy hmm. all parents uh, are willing to bring about behavior change in their habits for their child uh, child needs uh, and that essentially at the heart of what we also want to do right so making sure that children are healthy till the age of 2 uh if a child is healthy the child is going to uh be a intellectually uh be able to reach uh, her full potential mm-hmm. physically reach her full potential which means that the child will fall less sicker in school uh, which means the child will do well in studies which means the child has a better chance of getting out of that cycle of poverty mm-hmm. right uh, and so that's that's what we look at in child development fantastic So you know you mentioned that a very large number of children in India face malnutrition. What are some of the nutrition challenges we face in our country? And this is, uh, I think, Ashutosh, I I can't speak for uh, the country as no. such because it is so nuanced. Right. In different places, there are different challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, in tribals, it could be food um, insecurity. Uh, in rural communities, it's a very different because there is uh, there is food available but is it nutritious enough is it giving a balanced meal uh, in urban communities it's a very different challenge mm-hmm. uh, so i i speak a little more about the urban poor okay uh, and uh, some of these are applicable everywhere else mm-hmm. as well uh, i think uh, while food insecurity is something that we have addressed the other big challenge is just lack of awareness about food mm-hmm. right we are not Uh, again we are not taught as uh, in our schools you know what is balanced diet mm-hmm. we still follow that whole pyramid and everything right. but and everything is so theoretical so people tell you a protein khao but what does protein look like in my context mm-hmm. i am a vegetarian who's from the south of india mm-hmm. so what does protein look like in my context mm-hmm. uh, or you know i'm like so so that is something that is not uh, being covered so i think that is one of the biggest challenges right Uh, the other thing is also you know and this is goes into layers if you start peeling them 
uh, it goes into things like uh, cultural practices social practices uh, you know so, so a mentor once told me um, i asked her you know what's the one thing that you would do to make sure nutrition goes away from the country and she says mm-hmm. make sure girls eat first at home mm. right uh, normally when we see you know at home uh, women eat last they serve everybody girls eat last which means that they're eating much lesser yeah which means that they don't get enough nutrition mm. uh, so some of these are also just cultural practices that cause malnutrition mm. so it's not a one size fits all sort of an answer as you unpeel these various layers it becomes more complex and you realize that some of these things are just so interconnected mm. and as you mentioned a little while ago you know in mumbai where you said you know there are so many different uh, uh, people from so many different states i mean yeah. nutrition needs etc will be very different absolutely mm. absolutely and and not just the nutrition needs there everyone's individual taste mm. uh, is going to be very different and there's no one size fits all mm. in this case right. and tell me what what is the government doing to support right. uh, nutrition amongst the, the masses right so the uh, the government has got a bunch of missions right uh, so the national uh, Uh, national health mission and then there's the uh, portion 2.0 which has been uh, you know the, the portion abigyan which was uh, uh, in action till about last year and now it has become portion 2.0 it says you know we have to reduce malnutrition um, there is definitely a lot of efforts by the government to empower the icds that mm-hmm. is the anganwadi services the gift take home ration uh, the height weight measurement for every child under comes under the icds there are uh, nutrition rehabilitation centers uh, for children who uh, are in a sam category like severely undernourished children uh, who are close to uh, mortality uh, they can register themselves at an um, at a nutrition rehabilitation center so there are schemes and initiatives by the government uh, and the government is doing what it can however the scale at which we are facing this problem i don't think the government can solve it alone we require uh, corporates we require civil uh, uh, civil organizations we require community based organizations we require communities uh, farmer producer organizations everyone to come together and work on this that's the only way we are going to solve this uh, yeah and have you also looked at csr from so many corporates yeah we do we do so we are we are pretty much uh, we were funded mostly by csr and uh, i think we are very grateful to have some wonderful csr partners who mm-hmm. understand the gravity of the situation mm-hmm. uh, and continue to support us year on year right. uh, it's it's hard to actually uh, say uh, i mean i mean at least in the work that we do it's very easy to see impact because we see children who are undernourished to uh, becoming uh, well nourished right we see mothers delivering healthy babies mm-hmm. uh, so that is that that's really nice but um, also we have seen that uh, we are not giving out food mm-hmm. uh, so it's it's harder to explain uh, that lack of knowledge lack of awareness is one of the key reasons for mm-hmm. malnutrition right. and that's something that we are also trying to bring a dialogue around phenomenal and you know you are currently focused on maharashtra any plans to expand beyond that yeah so uh, while we focus in the urban slums uh, what we want to do is look at partnerships to expand beyond mm. uh, we want so we we want to work with community based organizations and currently that's the strategy that we are looking at mm-hmm. um, as of now community based organizations or look at um, 
you know other civil society organizations uh, uh, or institutes that would want to take our work so we've got we've got a tech piece in place we've got our, pro our programming in place so uh, we train organizations outside of maharashtra to continue to do this work we train frontline workers who then uh, do this work across the rest of uh, india so we've got a partner in fact in pune we've got a partner who'll probably start work soon again so all depending a little bit on funding mm. in rural karnataka we've in fact got a partner in nepal yeah. uh, so she, uh, they just started uh, work last month mm. so uh, we're also seeing that you know i think the the innovative part of our work is using technology uh, is having been on field for about 10 years now we sort of have an idea of what causes behavior change uh, we listen to the community we make our uh content very contextual mm. uh very actionable uh so over the thousand days that we work with the family we meet them about 31 times we conduct community events we work mm. on the entire stakeholders not just the mother uh, to bring about that holistic change we work with the system with the anganwadis mm. so uh, so our partners sort of like this model and they take this whole thing and they do it uh, with in their own region quite incredible 31 times in a thousand days means almost every third day uh in thousand days is almost going to be once a month once a month close to yeah yeah close to once a month okay okay yeah, yeah so yeah. uh let's now move on you know uh what would you say shruti is your leadership style i mean you know you're must be leading a team of large people and some very sensitive work yeah uh i think ashutosh and i don't have a definite answer to this i think my leadership style has evolved and i have seen it evolve mm. for, over years uh you know the the, the beatles say the uh the further one travels the less one knows right and i think i i i feel sort of similar to that uh and uh, and what what i'm building right now i can i can speak a little more about that is i think i'm trying to be more uh mindful in each action mm. uh being able to uh make sure that my intentions of being there uh i am mindful of those actions i think that's what i am trying to build as of now um in terms of how i manage the team i think uh, i always i i i feel like i want my team to be able to take on uh the work in a way where if tomorrow i am not there the work shouldn't stop well said right so that's that's essentially my goal very uh, well said very well said so let's now move to the last part of a conversation which is some questions for you personally and my first question to you shruti is what would you say are three key milestones in your life or your career um i think one of uh, and this is this sort of changes with uh, time but i think the uh, the two fellowships that i did uh, the teach for india fellowship which was my induction into the social sector mm -hmm. uh, i knew very little about the social sector i was about 23 24 and fairly privileged background uh, you know i lived across metro cities mm -hmm. uh, but really going into a classroom uh, which was low resourced and teaching in that classroom for two years uh, meeting people of, uh, of of a very different socio economic background mm -hmm. that was it was a very beautiful experience for me mm -hmm. i and uh, and while the experience is great i don't think i had the vocabulary to capture my learnings and capture my feelings mm -hmm. uh, and that's when my second that's what my second fellowship gave me uh, the acumen fellowship it gave me a community of people who uh, 
and this is a word that we use in the fellowship very often give me the one arm hug you know so they say it's a it's a hug with one arm and then they push you with the other yes so uh so, so that became a very uh, mm-hmm. important moment and i think the third one definitely has to be the time that i got married wonderful uh, i uh, i think i realized a lot more about i think marriage is quite transformational and i'm sure mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, absolutely I, so my next question to you shruti is uh, you know you're in the social sector what are some of the core values you believe in uh again this has evolved over time as of now i think uh, uh number one is choice for everyone mm. uh no matter what no matter where you come from you should have the choice mm. uh, to do what is it that you want to do right, right. uh and and i think uh, with that comes uh, dignity mm. right dignity and quality of life for everybody mm. uh including starting with yourself right uh, very often we don't we don't ask enough of ourselves mm-hmm. uh, we don't ask enough for ourselves um so really how do you make sure that you are asking enough for yourself and then extending that to everybody realizing that everybody deserves mm-hmm. uh, and not just humans right mm-hmm. animals and plants and the planet everyone deserves uh, to have a dignified life uh, everyone deserves choice very well said so follow up question to that is that shruti from where you stand today um what does success mean to shruti i think it's going to be it's very related to choice i think it's it's uh having the ability to choose what you want to do mm-hmm. um in a way that lets you be the best version of yourself okay very well right uh, so uh so a, a, you you choose to be a leader uh, and that lets you be the best version of yourself uh, you choose to whatever choices you make uh, you are you can occupy that space mm. right to me that really is uh, success wonderful um i have time for two more questions for you my next question is uh, who or what inspires you uh this is a fairly simple one uh i think uh, uh women who stand their ground mm-hmm. uh and are not apologetic about occupying space i am mm-hmm. always inspired by women who you know just uh, say that no you know i i deserve this because i know how hard it is for women to do that Uh, just the conditions in which uh, we've been you know this the patriarchy around us etc mm-hmm. uh and i specifically speak about women because i again that's an identity that i relate with very very closely sure, sure. uh but uh, yeah but i think women leaders who just stand up even even women from uh the communities that i work in uh, my own frontline staff mm-hmm. right when i see them come and say you know this is not okay and e- even when i tell them you know uh we we need to do things a certain way but then they come back and say no you know we should be doing this differently mm-hmm. i think the the confidence the passion the uh the 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 will to just stand up and say no listen i think different mm-hmm. i think this is what should be done what's your opinion i think that just inspires me so much and mm-hmm. i know i feel so hopeful about Amazing. the world in general <laughs> what a what a great answer and my last question to you shruti now is about failure uh, i've often said and i've actually got a new book that was published 2 3 weeks ago 
I have often said that parents in India, for that matter, Asia, don't teach children it's okay to fail. Yeah, you're always told come first, go to the head of the line, etc., etc. Yet we fail and we learn. Yeah, yeah. My question to you is that what have been your learnings from your mistakes? Right. Oh, uh, and honestly, if there was one mistake, then I could actually say what was the failure. Yeah, I told someone uh, I have written a whole book on it, so you can never imagine how many I must have made. So, I, in fact, we, uh, last year I, uh, I I wrote an uh, article on IDR around uh, one of my failures, mm-hmm. uh, and there have been like several uh, learnings from that, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I think the the one thing that uh, that really stands with me is um, not shying away from hard conversations mm-hmm. and uh, tough decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's been one of my biggest learnings right uh, take a decision and uh, this is something that that also comes from my father uh, who, who uh, pretty much all they say you know, indecision is also a decision correct right so you know you you, you analyze the pros and cons and you take an uh, take a calculated risk but take a decision mm. and i think that's definitely been one of my biggest learnings uh, from multiple failures i'm still getting better at it but uh, it's it's very easy to overthink, especially in the space that we are in, right? Mm-hmm. You realize that uh, you want to do this and that, and you know, uh, my my previous boss used to tell me, uh, you know, you're not God, mm-hmm. uh, and it's true, you're not God. And yeah. I think just realizing that and just taking a decision, saying that this is what I can do at this point, mm-hmm. and being okay with it, uh, I think that's definitely been like a big learning. So just humbling yourself down. Fantastic. Shruti, thank you so much. I mean, I've so enjoyed my conversation with you. I particularly liked your inspiration about strong women who can put their foot down and say no. And I have a lot of respect for such women. Thank you again and all the very best. Thank you so much, Asitosh. It was really nice speaking with you. I just didn't realize how time passed. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.